Let us close our eyes. Let us calm our souls. Let us be still and rest in God's presence. Let us worship God. The first reading is from Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Here ends the first reading. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, 30 to 34, and 45 to 46. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no time even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Immediately. He made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. Here ends our second reading. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your eyes, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The first question is this. How do we spend our time? We have finite days, hours, minutes, and how we choose to spend them tells us something about what matters to us. Every day, we make a decision about what we are going to make time for. How much time will we spend working? How much time will we spend serving, giving? How much time will we carve out for our families, our community, our grooming, our dressing, our eating, our exercising? How are we going to spend our time? 
That's the first question. The second question is this. How do we live each moment? It sounds similar to the first question, but that first question is mostly a quantitative question. How we choose to apportion our time. The second is a qualitative question. How fully present are we to the particular things that we are doing each day? What is the quality of our doing, our working, our giving? Are we living intentionally? Or are we too busy rushing to the next thing to be fully present here? Now, whatever we are doing. Are we noticing? Are we listening? Are we appreciating the world around us or the people around us? Or are we so busy filling up our time with things to do and checking off our list that we have forgotten why we are even doing it? How are we spending our time? How are we living each moment? Early in his ministry, we hear Jesus wrestling with these same questions. When does he send his disciple out to heal, to teach, to work? And when does he encourage his disciples to stop, to rest, to be fed? And when does he spur them beyond their exhaustion to feed one more hungry crowd? In today's passage, we see Jesus change his mind. He recognizes that the disciples have been hard at work, traveling throughout the region for days, and, quote, coming and going with no time to eat. He recognizes that they need away from the work and the crowds to refresh and renew their bodies and their spirits. He says them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. But when he sees the crowd, waiting for them, lost and hungry like sheep without a shepherd, he has compassion on them. He and his disciples abandon the plan to have time apart, time to rest, time to pray, and instead, they teach the crowds. Now, I've heard this preached upon as, you can't let up, you can't stop, you gotta keep working, you gotta keep giving, you gotta keep serving. But I would encourage those preachers to read till the end of the chapter. Jesus stops. He does encourage his disciples to keep going to feed the crowd. He teaches them. They are there all day. They feed the crowd. But then, notice what Jesus does. After they're done feeding them, immediately, he made the disciples go out into a boat away from the thronging people in need. Then Jesus dismisses the crowd, and he goes up the mountain alone to pray. During the past three months, I've had a lot of time to reflect on this balancing act, how to apportion time faithfully so there is enough time for working and serving, but also for resting and praying. Enough time for family and community, but also for solitude and contemplation. For four weeks of my sabbatical, we lived at a retreat center on Mount Desert Island. I feel like I'm always going to picture Jesus going up Cadillac Mountain now, 
whenever I read about him going to a deserted place up the mountain. I know he wasn't in Maine, but that's what's going to happen in my head. We stayed there for four weeks, and the couple who are the directors of this community are very intentional about how they apportion the time, both their own personal time and the time of anyone who happens to be visiting. Each morning there is time for meditation and reflection. Everyone is invited. Time for silence. Time for being, time for listening. Without having to do anything. And after that there's time for work. There's tending to their very large garden, doing the dishes, clearing the trails. And then there's time designated for community, meal times, and events where everyone is invited to have conversation and build up the community. And then there is also time for solitude and reflection. And the way they spend their time, I realized quickly, was radically countercultural. They prioritize silence as much as talking. Contemplation as much as working. And what struck me most was not how they divided their time, but how much they chose to do in quality, not just quantity. The quality with which they did each thing. I began noticing how fully present they seemed to each thing they were doing. And the key I finally realized was that they made time, the beginning of the day, for silence. This simple act allowed them into, to enter into the rest of their lives more fully with intention and attention to the beautiful place and the amazing people around them. Now, I have a confession, which probably will not come as a surprise to many of you. I've never liked silence much. I always chalked it up to my extroversion and my love for talking. But the truth is, I think that as a society, We've grown very afraid of silence, especially resting in silence. Every moment we must be doing and achieving, or else we're wasting our time. That's what we say. We're wasting our time. Every moment must be filled with talking or music or the drone of the TV. Otherwise, we might feel alone, or we might feel vulnerable, or we might have to contemplate the mystery of the universe. And scariest of all, we might have to admit that we have no control over any of it. It hit me one day. I was watching one of the women, one of the directors, talking to Simon. And she was sitting there next to my four-year-old with rapt attention. She was listening him to him the same way that she listens to me. He was talking about the birds he was learning about. He was memorizing the birds. And one of them was listening and encouraging him 
and talking to him about her love for birds. And then she invited him to help her fill the bird feeders. And somehow I just watched her make every moment count. Have you ever seen someone who's like that? Where when you're talking to them, you're the only one in the world because they're so focused on you. They're listening so well. She was not worried about what was next on her to-do list. I'm sure it was very long. She was there, seeing Simon fully, hearing him fully, and it hit me as I watched him that this patience and attention and intention of hers had been cultivated through many years of practicing silence and the gifts that come with it. Now, when they sit in silence each morning, it's 20 minutes. And I was very afraid of going. But I saw the way these women talked to my son, and I said, I want, I want that. I want to live every moment like that. That's what I want. And so I'm going to go, and I'm going to try this thing that I don't want to do. So I did. And my friends, I'm here to tell you it was not always easy. Sometimes those 20 minutes did feel very, very long. But each time there was a gift in the silence. And I began to notice after a few weeks of doing it every morning, a shift. First, I started hearing the bird song. I mean, really hearing it. I started being able to recognize, for the first time in my life, the different calls of different birds, other than, like, you know, the chickadee. I started hearing them everywhere. And then I noticed we met to meditate by the little cove where this retreat center is. I realized I could hear the tide. There's a 15-foot tide change on Mount Desert Island, and I could hear if it was low tide or in between, or high tide, based on the sound of the water. And then I noticed that the quality of our hikes changed. We were hiking almost every other day. When we arrived, I had this idea of climbing as many trails as possible. It's very American of me. I got a map, and I started putting in a Sharpie all the different trails we did. I have it. I did keep it, I confess. But it was really about getting to the summit and taking that picture of the cairn at the top and like, yeah, I climbed the mountain. But as the days passed, those days starting with silence, I spent more time and attention seeing what was around me. Mosses of every color on the ground, on the trees, on the rocks, hanging from the trees, the branches. One of them is called Old Man's Beard, which is the best name for a plant of all time. I noticed the land formed by glaciers and the rocks shaped by the sea and the textures and the colors that changed every day. Even if you went to the same place every day, it never looked the same because the light changed. And the tide changed. And I started to drink it all in. And I began to learn the art of balance. 
Not only how to divide my time, but the way in which I lived it. Now, the early Christians did not call their faith Christianity. I think I've mentioned this before, you, before to you. That was a name that other people called them. The Christians called themselves people who followed the way, the way or the path, the way of being in the world, the path of following Christ. And I always interpreted that way as primarily about doing the things that Christ did, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, healing the sick and the suffering, taking care of the vulnerable, teaching that way of love to others. And that's all true and very important. But the more I sat in contemplation and silence, the more I realized that there is more to this way of faith. It's not just about what we are doing. It is not just about how we are spending our time, but the way we are doing it, the way we are living each moment. It's not simply being on the path that Christ invites us to, but how we walk it. How we walk the path matters. It requires deep listening and noticing even when we are serving or building. It requires full attention to and compassion for the people with whom we are working. It requires gratitude, intention. And it's hard because these are things that our society does not value. Our culture will choose the quantitative measurable thing every time. Every time. Our culture will measure our heart for service by how many hours we gave at the shelter, right? But it will forget to ask us how well we listened to or connected with the people there. Our culture will define success at work as how much money we make or how high in the ladder we climb, rather than the impact of our work on the people and the world around us. It will measure the health of our church by how many people are sitting in the pews, rather than how well are we taking care of one another? How well are we taking care of our community? How well are we taking care of our world? How well are we loving our neighbors? This way of living is at the heart of our faith. And I have become convinced that we can only come close to this way of deep listening, this way of being fully present if we make space to stop and be silent. Like Jesus, we have to learn when it is time to dismiss the crowd, send our disciples out on a boat, go up the mountain alone, and pray, and dwell in the presence of our God. No work is required. Resting in God's presence is enough. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
If you'd like to learn more about our church, we invite you to connect with us on our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find a link to our donation page in the show notes for this episode. We also invite you to share this podcast or leave us a rating or review to help others find us. Our virtual worship team is the Reverend Rebecca Floyd Marshall, Senior Minister, Lily Clark, Project Manager, Cam Clark, Video Production, Alex Floyd Marshall, Audio Engineer, and Charlie Thomas, Readings Coordinator. The horn and string music you hear is performed by the Thomas family. In our church, it is our tradition to end every service with this simple blessing. God be with you till we meet again. By God's counsels, guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Go in peace. Thank you.